is sponsored by JMR Rentals, professional digital cinema and broadcast rentals in Brooklyn, New York. To find out more, visit their website, jmrny.com. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, where we go behind the scenes and talk to the creators of independent entertainment. I'm Jason Godby, and today we got a special program for you. We're coming to you from just outside the Brick Arts Media Center in Fort Greene, Brooklyn. Today we're going to be looking at public access television, a bit about its history and its benefits for creators. Later, I'll be speaking to a representative from Brooklyn Free Speech, the local public access station, and from one of the community producers there. But first, a bit about the history of public access television. Let's get into it. As some of you may know, before the pandemic hit, the home of No Rest for the Weekend was the Brick Media Arts Center. We did over 100 shows out of a small space we lovingly referred to as the Rabbit Hole Studio. Since the pandemic, Brick has been closed to the public. And now, like many other creators, we're forced to do our work from home. I wanted to talk about Brick and Brooklyn Free Speech, the public access station that resides in the media center. But first, a word about public access television, according to the FCC's website. Pursuant to Section 61 of the Communications Act, local franchising authorities may require cable operators to set aside channels for public, educational, or governmental use. Public access channels are available for use by the general public. They are usually administered either by the cable operator or by a third party designated by the franchising authority. There are over 1,600 of these channels in the United States today. In Brooklyn, Brooklyn Free Speech offers training courses in video production, editing, photography, etc., as well as providing distribution for local Brooklyn creators on its four public access channels. And joining me now via Zoom is the Manager of Community Producer Services for Brooklyn Free Speech, Mr. Joseph Rangeli. Welcome, Joseph. Thanks for having me, Jason. Hey, man. Thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you taking the time out. So I want to get into kind of uh, talk more about Brooklyn Free Speech. We mentioned it at the top of the show as being the Brooklyn public access station, but I want to talk about more about what that is and what you do there. So can you kind of give us a little background on Brooklyn Free Speech and, and, and what your role is there? So if you're familiar with public access television, you'll kind of know what we are, but if you're not, you know, we're television provided for the community. So basically our job is to give the community a voice, right? We provide access to field equipment, to TV studios, and we provide training to teach people how to use those facilities and that equipment. And then we provide them with an avenue to air their voice, whatever that show may be. We really don't censor most of the material we get because we're all about just giving the people of Brooklyn a voice. And we are Brooklyn specific, right? So each borough has their own. And um, what I do there is I basically manage the everyday production team that's there. So the team that facilitates the equipment for the studios, booking reservations, you know, giving that equipment out on a daily basis, not only for field equipment, but for the um, studios as well. So I manage that team. I manage uh, the liaison that's there, who's a person who just basically like any issues with between producers or just anything producers may need, they come to the liaison who can then make, you know, sort of give them a path to find out what they need to find out at Brick. And uh, I manage operations there too. So 
um, you know, getting new equipment, researching new equipment, just making sure everything stays up and running as, as it pertains to free speech on a daily basis. If somebody wants to uh, become a producer there, what do they have to do? Like, what's the process? Pretty much uh, be a Brooklyn resident. <laughs> uh, it's not the only way, but that's the quickest and easiest way. Uh, we, do, we do provide um, services to people who are outside of Brooklyn, but they usually have to come in with, um, you know, they're usually with a nonprofit or something like that. They're working with a nonprofit and they can, that's how they can come in and use our facilities and get trained by us as well. But we also have what we call playback producers who can just provide content that they create on their own outside of uh, using our facilities and using our equipment. And they can actually come from anywhere. Like we've had playback producers, you know, from overseas provide us with content. So, but for using our facilities, um, using the field equipment, using the studios, we have podcast studios, uh, editing station. Um, if you're a Brooklyn resident, all you have to do is come in. You can do an orientation with us, which is required by everybody. And then uh, at least everybody who's going to use the facility. And we uh, have uh, what we call certif certification classes. So those certification classes, uh, you know, will teach you how to use, say, the, the TV studios or the field equipment or editing. And then once you've certified in those, you can then come and use our equipment in our facilities for free, free of charge. That's actually the thing I'd like to stress is that once you have certified, the classes are minimal course cost, but and we'll even work with some people if they have issues maybe being able to pay for a class. But once you have certified, uh, using our facilities, using our equipment is free, which is I think huge for you know, the content creating community that we have. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people I think who watch this show or, or listen to this show are probably, you know, low budget indie producers or content creators. And, you know, a lot of it, it's really hard. Like for me, it was incredibly difficult finding like studio space, you know, studio space I could afford. I mean, like studio space in New York City um, is incredibly expensive. And, you know, what I paid for, I said before, like what I paid for to take a class to take, you know, 24 hours worth of coursework, I would be paying by the hour at a normal studio. So if I paid, you know, a hundred bucks for a studio course, that's what, that, that's what would be just to turn the lights on in a normal studio. Uh, and, you know, having the access to that and getting the access to that for so little money is huge. I think a lot of the people in my audience are, you know, they're aspiring creators. They want to do this professionally. They want to do this on a high level or they want to do it so that their work can get seen and that they can, you know, enter film festivals or television festivals or whatever. But um, there has long been this sort of called a stigma around surrounding public access television and it being amateurish or not for professionals. Can you kind of speak to that? Does that still exist? Is that still a thing? And 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 what has what changes have been made in the um, in the world of public access to kind of rectify that? You know, I think it is. I think that stigma does still hang around a little bit. Um, and it's funny because I came from production before I I came to Brick. I worked in production for almost ten years. I was working on TV shows, commercials, movies, different things like that. So I maybe even came in with a slight bit of that stigma, but 
I do think it's fading. I think because we have similar to what you were talking about, like I know the cost of a studio, right? Like it's insane. We, I used to rent them when I was before Brick. And I think we're getting a lot of, uh, you know, professionals, you know, coming to us because they understand what we can provide for them. And, but out, outside of that, I think, I think the stigma around um, public access is, is disappearing because of the strides we've sort of taken on our end to you know heighten the quality of the content that's being created and that's by like providing people with some of the best cameras you know they can they can use out there and providing the training and the know-how to use that same goes for like you know editing software sound equipment like when i came into brick they didn't even have, um, and this is through no fault of their own, but like they didn't have wireless mics. So one of the first things I did, I worked in operations for a little bit is I brought in wireless microphones. So like just stuff like that. Like I think the more we provide the community with the means, better equipment, stuff like that, then they're able to create content at a higher level. And that is sort of washing away that stigma. And I think, uh, and not only that, I think, in this world where, you know, uh, YouTubers and different things like that have become so successful, I think we hear a lot of stories about people who started in community media that are now like name, household names, you know what I'm talking about? So I think like, I might be wrong about this, but I think like the It's Always Sunny guys like started in community media, like in Philly, like just like that, like stories like that. So the more you hear about those, I think the more you'll, you get people that are like, oh yeah, you know, we can do that. Why can't we do that? And, you know, we're just getting better and better content. Like I, I, some of the stuff I see on our channels, like, you know, can play on anything, you know, MTV, whatever. So that, I think it's just about providing the community with the means. I think the talent was always there. I think there wasn't necessarily the, 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 the resources, you know? For someone who is... Uh, you know, new to it, I, I think uh, we also kind of should explain the caveats of working in the studio there. It's one thing if you're just giving content, but if something is produced in the studio there, correct me if I'm wrong, the deal is that you have to give it to public access first. Right. So basically, I always tell people it's kind of a win-win for you because if you're going to use our facilities, you have to provide us with content. That's the only thing we ask. But it's a win-win because the content you create as a community producer for us is your content to do with whatever you want. You put it on YouTube, you can pitch it to a channel, you can do whatever, but then you also get it on our channel. So like it's airing and other people can see it. You see what I'm saying? So it's just kind of a win-win. We also stream uh, our channels online. So one of the cool things about that is, is our on, on TV, on our, on the cable networks, our channels only air in Brooklyn, but, our, our live online stream can be streamed anywhere in the world. So you have content that now is playing on the channels that can be streamed anywhere in the world. You can share it anywhere. And obviously you can do that with YouTube and different things, but I think our channels is just another resource for, um, for producers to say, hey, here's my content airing on this, um, you know, on this network. I think probably one of the arguments that you're gonna hear is, well, who the hell still has cable? You know, or, or who st still uses cable? Do you have any idea or how what the numbers are in terms of cable watchers in the in the Brooklyn area or in New York City? We actually don't uh, because so that's a service that like a lot of um, channels pay to get. 
their numbers. Uh, and it's funny, it, it's, it's a pretty costly thing. And um, it's one of the things that I, that we, they actually try to keep away from us because I think our numbers are actually higher than maybe some cable providers want people to know. Uh, but we do know that we have a good, uh, like what's called a stickiness rate where like people that come on, uh, you know, I guess like I might be explaining this wrong, but you know, it's been explained to me. So I'm just kind of, you know, <laughs> saying it secondhand, but, um, so, you know, most TV channels want, you know, people to watch their, their show for a certain amount of time. So if they they land on their show, they want them to say stay on for 10, 15 minutes, what have you, for example. And our stickiness factor is pretty high. Like people come on and we have loyal viewers that stay and watch the shows that they that they tune into. One of the hardest things for indie producers to do, be they making movies or TV or whatever, um, is to get help. What do you guys do to kind of bring the community together and get help people to work on one another's shows or uh, can you talk a little bit about that effort especially now during uh the covid crisis so one of the things we did very early on literally within the first couple of weeks sort of quarantine started um was we started doing a weekly like water cooler meeting for our community right just to let them know we're still out here we're bringing you together we, we do it via zoom we do it every thursday at one o'clock we still do it you know <laughs> now and then that was one of the first things we did. We wanted to be like, let's keep the community together because we knew a lot of our community were used to like see each other on a daily basis. So we did that. Uh, outside of that, we, you know, where we started, we started to think about like, how do we uh, adapt? How do we help people still create content? So we went out, we got a Zoom, uh, we got our own Zoom account, a paid account, which we know a lot of our producers might not be able to do. You know, they, they might have the limited account, and we use that account. We provide it to uh, our community producers. They can book it. And then we'll hop on with them and we'll actually assist them in recording a production. And similar like what you're doing now, what you and I are doing, we'll talk them through like setups, lighting, different things like that for Zoom production. And then we'll actually record, provide them, and then provide them with those recordings that we do into the cloud. Um, but we've actually, the last say month or so we actually opened up for uh, curbside pickup so we're still not obviously open to the public our building so our tv studios can't be in use but we did open up field equipment for curbside pickup so people are booking equipment like they normally would we do online reservations and we book them in time slots we try to keep it very safe so we stagger those time slots so that people aren't coming in at the same time and they're picking up field equipment so they can actually go out and still shoot one of the things we're trying to do is be safe, right? So, you know, we don't want to promote like people getting together in small rooms and like doing all these things, but we still want, we know people still want to get out there and create content like yourself. You have your, your studio that you built at home. So we want to be able to provide people with that. So people are booking like editing laptops and, you know, cameras and tripods and lights and microphones and different things like that. So they can get out and, you know, we have people record the protests for example, with our equipment, which I thought was really cool, right? Because that, now that's a voice. That's a Brooklyn voice that went out there, saw these protests, recorded it, and then was able to like piece something together for other people to see that maybe couldn't be there or maybe didn't know what was happening. And I actually personally think that, um, I think where you're going to get sort of the true voice of like what's happening out on the street is through like 
people like us, public access, like what we're creating. Not to say that people can't get out there and try to twist stuff, but I think we have a lot of people who go out there and say record the protest and then just show you how it happened rather than say like how some news channel might twist it in some way, you know? I'm not <laughs> I'm not one of these like anti-newsers or something like that, but like, you know, people have a story that they like to tell. And I think sometimes with our public, you know, they're just eyes, they record. So anyway, we're, so we're doing things like that. We're, 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 and then we have our own, our own productions, our own in-house productions, but that we provide for the community. So we did, we have a media maker weekend we do every October and that's, it's a cool uh, weekend where we come out here every, normally on the normal circumstances, we would, we provide like seminars and different things like that, that people would come to our facility and sit in. So like, you know, say a, a makeup for films, seminar and then like you know um, women in films and just different things like that we knew we couldn't do that physically so we did it online which was really cool using um uh, a website called hopping and it was really cool because we were able to have like different stages and different things like that and then still do that media maker weekend which turned out really well we did uh, our award show we do every year we did that virtually, which was really cool, but just different things. We do town halls, Brick TV, which is our in-house production team, separate from my department, which is free speech, but still, you know, we're all brick. Uh, they're still doing town halls and different things like that to like just keep the people engaged, which, you know, so, you know, just coming up with different ways and we're, we're going even further now. We're like training my team is going to train in vmix so that which is basically if, if people are not familiar vmix is like a switcher system similar to like what you would get in studio but you can do it virtually so my team is training in that and then maybe at some point we'll be able to do even more complicated like recordings for producers where like my team can act as switchers virtually you see what i'm saying so just try to be very creative and do different things like that so it takes a while you have to plan these things out figure them out train them but uh, and we're also trying to do uh remote editing which will be pretty cool where people can you know sort of remote into our editing system and you and use them use it remotely sort of like an any desk kind of thing but again it's all about training and figuring out how that works first so it just takes time but um our producers have been creating content. It's been really cool to see that, you know, people are still out there doing it. You know, you talked about people going and filming things like protests and, you know, there is a, a certain, I mean, the studios there, when you look at them, they're really set up for things like talk shows. You know, they're three cameras, uh, furniture, platforms, curtains, that kind of thing. A lot of people do talk shows out of there. A lot of people do podcasts out of there. But, you know, for the man on the street stuff, there's no filter to it. You know, like you were saying, like, so, you know, there's no sponsor to answer to. Is that, in your opinion, is that why, like, why is public access still important? Like, why is it still valid? I guess it's like, you're your own showrunner, right? <laughs> like, anywhere else, somebody's going to tell you how to do your show. But us, we don't do that, right? We, we give you the means. We'll teach you technique. But your show is your show, right? We're not, we're not telling you, you know, how to say what you want to say where, you know, you make your own show. And actually, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, man on the street and talk show. And yes, that is like, that comes with 
public access. Like that's a lot of the content we get, but that's not the only content we get. We get a lot of narrative stuff now, which I think is really cool. And I think I, I was making a very big push when I was, um, when I first came to Brick and I was working in uh, the public equipment uh, department, which is the department I now manage. One of the things I was doing was like talking to people about like creating narrative content, right? And then we ourselves, and this, I should have mentioned this earlier when you were asking about like some of the things we were doing to sort of break the stigma. Another thing we do is we offer classes like our documentary incentive class or our black box theater class, which is very much rooted in narrative, right? We, we have people write a scene and then it's sort of theater meets production, right? And uh, it, it's been really cool. You know, we, we, I, we're, I believe we're on our third or fourth black box theater class, which we were doing remotely and still coming out very cool. And it's just, you know, public access and now creating narrative content, you know, something that you would have never thought about. And I myself, similar to you, like I grew up in Brooklyn, born and raised. And I was aware of this might be sacrilege of B-Cat, which is what Brick like, used to be. I grew up like watching it here or there. And it's always like, oh, what's that like public access thing? But as I got older and I went to college and I went into film, I, I completely forgot about all that. So like when Brick came up and I like applied for the job, like I didn't even know what it was. <laughs> right? I was kind of like, oh, like, here's this media job. Let me, I was looking to sort of change, uh, take a change in my career at the time. Um, so I went in and I remember I was like, okay, public access. And I came in, you know, I looked it up, I figured out it was public access. And then when I came sit very similar to you, I was like, I saw the studios, I got like a tour, quick tour before my interview. And I was like, wow, like they, this is like a legit television studio that they have. And you know, it's just, it's really cool to be able to provide that for the community. And like I said, we do tons of talk shows. It's always going to be around, you know, everybody wants a talk show next Oprah or something. And we have a lot of, you know, man on the street, which is great. Cause I think it, it's a voice out there. Like it's a legit, like a real voice, but we are getting a lot of narrative content, a lot of like very, very, sorry. <laughs> and we are getting a lot of narrative content, a lot of like very, very interesting content experimental content, just different things that you don't see. And one of the uh, uh, things that really gives me um, a sort of doorway into all that is when we do our award show, um, I'm, I'm usually in charge of like bringing in all the content, setting that up for the voting process that we have. And then I edit the videos when we choose, you know, nominees and different things like that. And I, so I see all this content, I see it come in and I'm just like, I'm like blown away by like some of the stuff we're getting, which you wouldn't have seen in public access even, you know, 10 years ago. What are you seeing kind of for the future of, um, you know, places like Brick? Now, you know, you don't have to be in a, a big city to access public access. I'm sure there's a public access in your county and, you know, if you live in Duluth um, or, you know, uh, Nebraska or something. For you guys and for other people, especially communities affected by the pandemic, what do you see coming up uh, here in 2021? And, you know, how do you see it kind of moving forward? I mean, that's an interesting question, you know, because it's like where it, it's it's kind of like an unknown future right now, just in terms of like the pandemic and stuff. But, I, you know, hopefully we're going to get to a point where stuff settles down and, um, you know, not necessarily go back to normal. Right. Because I think a lot has changed and it's going to stay changed. But I think that a lot of this virtual production that we've 
now had to, you know, we had to force ourselves into virtual production, right? We had to learn it. And we have brick here. We, it's funny, it's almost like brought us together more like departments that didn't necessarily work together are now working together to do virtual production. I have production meetings every week with people that I didn't have production meetings with when we were in the building. Um, and I think we, we only grow that. You know what I'm saying? So like virtual production is going to become like now a more a more natural thing and then just another part of what we can provide for the community. How that looks when things go back to normal, I don't know. But, you know, I think there are going to be people that have a need for it, people that want to, you know, do more online interviews similar to what we're doing now and just different things like that. And I think we're we're going to we're going to help expand on that. And then it's just about like staying on top of whatever's new once production is back. So again, I'm, I'm very big on like researching and finding what the new equipment is. And actually Jose Astorga, who's now in operations, is like a wonder kid with that stuff. He, he's always looking up new ways to, to, you know, just new things to find for the community. You know, he's putting together, he just put together a, uh, like a phone gimbal package that's going to go out, and, you know, and it's just going to be, you know, just new ways for people to create content, use your phone, use different things. We're not going to tell people to not use their phone, which is, you know, what we understand that the phone is now a new tool for people to use. So what do we do to adapt? We create better ways for people to do that, like a phone gimbal package or different things like that. But I think I think the virtual content is going to be a, a very big part of it. Like working in this virtual space, I think is not going to go away now that people understand its its merit. Very cool, man. Well, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you taking time out uh, on a on a weekday. Uh, you know, good luck with everything and you know, definitely keep us posted. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll still be giving you guys content and hopefully um, more people seeing this will uh, reach out to their local public access stations and, and hopefully get some help creating their own content. Yeah, no, uh, thanks for having me, Jason. It's great to see that you're still just going strong. creating. For a second, I thought you broke into the mini studio, man. Your show looked the same. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, thank you for having me on and thank you for just, you know, your your voice for public access, which I think is great, you know. Thanks a lot, man. I'm Brenda Betrayed Oliver and I'm a community producer at Brooklyn Free Speech. I started off because I just wanted to learn how to use my camera, which was the Canon T4i. So my partner started looking online and the first thing we found was BKC, but she felt that due to the fact that Brooklyn was downtown by my job, I signed up there and the first thing I did was go to one of their free courses at the library on New Lots Avenue. Since I took one class, which was trying to learn how to do the basics in photography, and then after that they started telling me about other classes like editing, producing, studio production, so I started getting interested because I always wanted to work behind the camera. It's been something that I wanted to do for a long time and it just lets me know that, you know, it doesn't matter how old I am, that if I wanted to do something, get out there and started doing it. And from that point on, the only thing I like doing is helping my fellow producers and maybe one day produce something of my own. If this is something that you have a passion for, be true to your craft and just go out there and do it. Don't be afraid. Um, it's a process. It's a day-by-day -day thing and you just have to have the patience and be patient with yourself. 
And that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Once again, I'd like to thank the good people of Brooklyn Free Speech, as well as our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. 